The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman was raised by hardworking, uneducated parents and was the first in her family to graduate from high school. And as she grew into a young woman, she earned her own money for college and pursued psychology-focused studies. Corporate America is where she landed after college and where she climbed the ladder to success. But it wasn't an easy ladder. She never felt heard or like she was enough. After 25 years, she left corporate and started her own company. She needed to find her own voice and show others how to do the same. Today, she is walking a path to greatness as she helps others communicate with boldness and confidence. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Kim Badeau-Smith. Did I tear your name up, Kim? I think I did. <laughs> quite all right. <laughs> so so we'll, we'll just keep right on going. So thank you, Kim, so much for joining me today. It's, I'm just so excited to have you here. Annette, thank you. Thank you. so. First of all, thank you, not just for inviting me here, but thank you for what you are doing. You know, we need, we need us peeps. We need us female peeps to really rise up and showcase others and, and do this type of work. So thank you. Well, you're so welcome. And we are, we have so many nuggets of gold to showcase. So let's jump right in. During your corporate career, you were usually the only woman at the table of most discussions. What did you do to hold your own in such a male-dominated space? Oh, gosh. I, You know, I didn't. I was faking it until I was making it. I had imposter syndrome suit going on. And I, I was putting on the, uh, the mentality of I need to be smarter before I can really lean in and say, be sitting at this table with these men. Uh, but however, I could always land on my feet because I'm that girl that I'm that woman that could get in there. And if I, I can work, just give me anything. If I can get my hands in there, you know, I can really work and make things happen. Um, that's how I thrive. That's part of my uh, DNA as part of my uh, personality. But I literally sat at those tables and um, I was not myself. That's why I do what I do now. I was not myself. I was I had all that going on in my head of don't speak up because they're men. You know, don't speak up. You have not earned your space at this uh, table. So I, I held my own, but in a fake it kind of a way. And I'm going to dig a little deeper on this, Kim, because I think there's some more juice here. Yeah. You uh, Do you see, do you feel like women still struggle with this today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so I don't want to make any assumptions here, but now that I'm a I'm a business owner, I'm an entrepreneur and have been for about 25 plus years, we have our up and down. We have the imposter syndrome. But to be a high achieving woman in business or a high achieving woman in corporate executive, we do have those imposter syndromes. But what it is, is we have internal confidence that can push us through those imposter syndromes, can push us through and release the perfectionism, push us through and turn our inner critic for it. So we tame that inner critic and it becomes our ally um, so that we can really liberate our authentic voice on our terms without losing business or getting fired. But that's a, that's a whole other <laughs> That we can have a whole other podcast on that one, couldn't we? That is, that is. That is. 
All right. So I'm going to lead it to the next question. You've helped me do that perfectly. So intimidation is something that you certainly experienced on a regular basis. So I'm curious, is how did this show up and how did you confront it so it didn't derail your career? Uh, well, um, I didn't do a, a real good job at confronting it because living in the fear of, God forbid, being a failure or getting fired, because I was on, when, when I was in corporate, I was on a mission coming from uneducated blue collar working, um, you know, parents that never missed a day of work. I was climbing those ladders and there was nothing that was going to stop me. So if I had to lie my way through, I lied my way through. And it, it wasn't like I was stealing from the business or anything like that. Again, it, come, it comes back to that, that imposter syndrome, you know, and literally walking into rooms and faking the confidence and being able to pull that off. But like I said, Annette, I, nothing was going to keep me from shattering the layers of those glass ceilings. And I did it. It's just, I was constantly um, getting intimidated by men. I also got intimidated by other women because mm-hmm. other women can step into that as well, but not being able to wear, it's like the poker face, not being able to you know show that and wear that on my sleeve. So would, would that intimidation show up by words they would say, or would it be body language, or would it be messaging in terms of uh, even communication, written communication? How would that show up for you? Oh, gosh, um, words, languaging, toxic, um, downplaying, uh, body language, uh, teaming up with other members, uh, attempting to throw me underneath the bus. I, I was in a, an environment one time where I just, I loved my, I loved my career and I was really climbing and quite fast, the ladders and realizing getting into situations of each level that I was moving up of, you know, gaining more people underneath me is they were the ones that were embezzling the company and things like that. I was unraveling that. And then they all teamed up and threw me under the bus and made it look like I was the one that was doing it. So I was up against a lot of that where a lot of people wanted to repeat what I was doing here in the Detroit market when I got onto a regional level and overseeing, but they didn't want to do the work. They wanted the shortcuts. So there was things like that, that I was up against of those type of lies and intimidations and you know, and then I had higher up men that saw the value and how much money I was making the company and, you know, would come to. So it was both. I was getting both sides. And it really creates a point of confusion, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. it really does. It's very much. So you experienced during your career what you referred to as the setup, which was how some men tried to sabotage the professional women in the organization. So tell us a little bit clearer what this looked like. What did the setup look like and how did you confront it and its effects? Well, the setup, and again, it wasn't just, you know, the, at this time, you know, it was a majority from men. There were women that did this too. I, and I'm going to keep repeating that because until we women can all come together, corporate and in the business world, we still have these gaps. But you know, I had people come to my face and say, gosh, Kim, you know, you're so successful. Teach us the template. <laughs> it's like, I have no secrets. You know, I mean, just because it's working in one market doesn't mean it's going to work in another market and so on and so on. You know, so I would have people say to my face, tell, tell us the secrets. And there were no secrets. Tell us the secrets. Teach us. Show us. How do you get such a great, um, effective team and, and, and double markets and double profits and triple markets and triple profits? And I would share and then it would be like they would then go behind my back and then, you know, the stabbing would begin. 
And so I'm a type of person that I don't play the politics and the lies well. I just don't. And again, I don't think I would do well in Vegas playing poker, (laughs) you know, but it's, here's my ingredients. Again, you know, I think of someone like as famous as Rachel Ray, she'll go into a restaurant and taste something and then come back into her kitchen and remove an ingredient and add two of her own. That's how I visualize management and management styles. And People like you and I running our own businesses. What works for Annette may not work for Kim, but let's taste test and try some of this. So that was a lot of the stuff that I was experiencing in corporate. And I also worked for family-owned businesses, and those owners were toxic and nasty as micromanagement as hell. It's just, it was crazy. So, and and I think there's such wisdom in that in terms of, uh, especially the comment you made about being open to different management styles and recognizing that even if you told someone your success secrets, they may not translate in the same way to another type of business. Yeah, that's that's very wise. So most of us have some kind of self-talk. And you call this in your work, the hag in the attic, which I think is hilarious. So what is your self-talk? And more importantly, is it different than it was 10 years ago? My self-talk is definitely different than it was 10 years ago. My self-talk is instead of being like the whole day, it could be an hour, so to speak. So it, my self-talk is smaller. I still have my self-talk, especially right now in this day and age where I've just recently taken my whole business and has flipped it upside down. Uh, again, being at choice at a lot of that, but also of having an environment that's been posed um, and shown to us different ways of doing things. And their self-talk will creep up. And uh, she says stuff like, um, well, you know, people tell you you're great at what you do, Kim, and you're very needed at what you do. We all need our voices. And at some different levels, from a CEO of GM to maybe an emerging leader or just a brand new um, business owner, we all have our levels. But so my self-talk will say, well, gosh, if women need it, where are they? And when I hear that, That's where I turn off my computer. I get out of my office and I will either go cook, even though I don't like to cook, or I'll clean a silverware drawer, or I will get outside and go for a walk just to clean the air and come on back stronger. Because I guess if not, I mean, I I hear you and I think it's brilliant because I do the same thing. If not, it's easy to spiral down into that, isn't it? It's like a rabbit hole. You get down in it and then you wallow in it. Yes. And that rabbit hole, you're so spun on. I call it a rabbit hole. I know when my big toe is getting close to that rabbit hole and I don't want to, it's, it's almost like Alice in Wonderland. I don't want to slide down that dirt, you know, and it's when you get down in that rabbit hole, it is hard to get back out. That's where we need self-care. This is where we need to take a time out and go do some self-care, whether it's reading a book, a journal, hot bath, something self-care to change up that internal dialogue. It can even be something I have to laugh. Sometimes my self-care is I'll put on music and dance in my office. Have you ever done that? It just, it breaks the, breaks the whole energy in the office. And then I get to laughing about how ridiculous that self-talk that was negative sounds. positive self-talk do you use for yourself? Um, I have, as I look around here sitting in my office, I've got uh, index cards. I've got um, a couple of uh, index cards of, um, I guess, mantras, you can call them. 
And um, I have a money abundance mantra that I have sitting here. I have one to remind me when that rabbit hole, when the cover of that rabbit hole starts getting pulled away, I have a question as myself, what do I need right now to trust and surrender? You know, so I do have that switching of conversations like that. I've got other things over on another little mini desk here that I just look at. And then I have little objects I can hold in my hand because I'm a real uh, tactical, you know, I like to touch to see in that feel. So those are a couple of the things that I do. I make sure I keep a couple books around um, of some of them. Oh, Brene Brown, some of my favorite. I can just open up the middle for a book and just go and just randomly read. And then that can really shift my mindset. Now, great, great advice. And, and I think it's really important for those um, listening to recognize that you do need to put positive things in your space. We sometimes, especially as driven women, think well, we just will grit it through. You know, we'll just dag on it. We'll just push it through. And sometimes that's exhausting if you don't have a little help. And that little help can come in such simple ways. You know, I, I burn incense in my office and I have classical music that I play and things like that uh, to help me stay in that positive mind place. Absolutely. And um, those habits are, are really important, aren't they? They are. I have an oil diffuser. I have a mm-hmm. bottle of oil fray, um, spray that I'll just spray around. And, um, you know, again, that scent can really change up the mindset. Think back to when we are younger, uh, maybe grandma made apple pie. And if we smell the apple pie, it will trigger those nice memories. So the scents, the smells can help really change up that mindset. In fact, it's one of the tools that I teach um, women before they're getting ready to step into a real high leveraging conversation. Is to set the, set the tone within their own body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, great suggestion. So I'm going to go down a path that you've touched on a little bit already. So an ugly side of women is how they can tear each other down. My question to you, Kim, is how do you view this bad behavior? And what advice would you say to women about how to avoid this trap? Okay, uh, I don't want to sound like a Nike, you know, just do it and just say, stop it. Just excuse me, but stop this shit right now. Just stop. You know, it's when we all pull together. Oh, my gosh, we could change this pandemic world that we are in if we all were to pull together. And it's it's happening. We are on a huge pandemic shift here, you know, a paradigm shift here with uh, with women coming up. And I don't want to sound like I'm um, men aren't allowed because we do also too need to ha- teach men that more men need to lean in and say, look, I'm not going to do this unless my female counterpart is paid just as much as I am and gets just as much as respect as I do. So I don't want to just say women, this is all about women, but it's men too. But we women have to stick together. I mean, if you're in a simple meeting and you put an idea out there and then the other woman takes the idea and takes all the credit, we got to stop doing that. It's when an idea is put out there and let's say somebody else in the room takes it, it would be great if another woman said, and go, hey, wait a minute. And that just brought that to the table. Let's swing this back around and let's talk a little bit more about this. And there's room for everybody to bring ideas and get credit to a table. But we need to stop going behind each other's back and maybe be more vulnerable with some beautiful conversations amongst one another. Well, and I have found that when women work to elevate each other, it elevates the entire tide. And then when the whole tide elevates, the entire boat carrying all the women in the world elevates as well. And when we tear each other down, it sucks the life out of things. 
Oh, yeah, the ocean, the tide. I mean, that becomes so parched. There's no water left. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I hope that those listening, you know, check themselves on that and make sure that they are very careful about their positioning of their language and of their their emotions and the energy they give out is elevating other women uh, because there's some incredible women out there. Even those that are struggling, let's elevate them as well. Yes, we all... You know, we're all at different levels of um, elevations in our lives and in our businesses, and not that our lives and businesses are separate, but we're all at different levels of confidence, and we can't roll 100% of confidence all the time. We're human. We don't roll at 100% of anything, that there are days where maybe someone's confidence is a little lower because she was up with a young child that was sick or something, that's where the rest of us need to step on in and let's lift up and elevate and let her know she's got this. She can do it. We're here, you know, and then, then it could be someone else within that, you know, another day of gosh, dealing with a, an ill partner or, you know, whatever the case may be coming to terms with um, a, a woman's coming to terms with her sexuality. And she's got a lot of box societal stuff going against her. This is where we need to all pull together as women. Yeah. I want to dig just a, just a second, dig just a little bit deeper on this because I had a thought. You know, one of the things that will also be useful, and it has certainly been useful for me, and I want to see if it's been the same for you, is in that uplifting effort, it's easier for me to stay in that space if I give others the benefit of the doubt. Big time. Yes, absolutely. I, I don't even begin to... Okay, so let's. This is great, Annette. Look, we are here to serve, and you know what? What gender out of both male and female love to serve the most? Women, women. You know, it goes back to I'm going to date us here a little bit, but that Anjali commercial, fry it up in the pan, bring it home. Make, you know, I mean, we do it all, and we do. We love to help and serve, and we love to help and serve other people, especially of our gender. And when we are doing that, after we've put the oxygen mask on ourselves first and have served ourselves first, it does make us feel better when we are helping and supporting other people and other women, especially. And it does keep us elevated. It keeps the energy up. Yeah. It's a whole lot nicer way to live, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, is. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> All right. So in an earlier conversation, Kim, you told me that at times you have felt like a wild animal trapped in a cage. And what I want you to do is to describe this, because I suspect some of our listeners have also had this feeling. And then I want you to tell us what has been the most important thing you've done to break yourself out of this cage. Okay. Well, that wild cage I was referring to was when I was in corporate. I thought I was supposed to grow up to be the good girl, get the education, and go on with a white-collar career. And that I would be accepted from everybody across the world if I played the good girl game correct. So that is how I felt being in a cage. I I trapped myself being in a cage. Well, how I came out of that was it just seems like the universe was just working one day. I was in working out in a gym and I had the gym management come to me and said, you know so much what you are doing when it comes to working out. We have female members, they want to be trained by a trainer and we'd like to put you on staff. That's how I started my fitness. Oh, business. really? Yes, that's exactly. And, but I grew up dancing. So I, I've been fit my whole life. So one thing was just leading to another. That's how I started my fitness business was leading into that. And then I, after I got that going, boy, I couldn't march in at that position at that time, that company I was working for here locally, 
I couldn't wait to march in and give them my quitting orders um, because that was a very toxic male dominant um, situation where they were not lifting me up. I was hired because they had no women in management. So I was put between a rock and a hard place. So I couldn't wait to get out of there. So that's how I got out of my box. But, you know, 25 plus years of of being a business owner, I can still slip into that box. You know, am I doing things right? Am I doing things wrong? Is the revenue up? Is the revenue down? Um, Let me see. I'm joyful today and next week I'm ready to quit. You know, it's the ebb and flowing. So I have to be careful. I don't put myself back into that business owning box and be able to break that status quo. Yeah, I love that. It's brilliant. Yes, and it's it's brilliant advice and perspective. So Kim, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? Oh, you know, all I can say is ladies, look, there's nothing, you know, perfect. There's just nothing perfect going on here. Coming from a a recovering perfectionist, uh, you know, and a type A personality, there's nothing perfect here. We have ups and downs and ebbs and flows, but here's what I'm going to say. Surround yourself with beautiful women like Annette Annette and I just met, I mean, what, a month ago? Surround yourself with these beautiful, vulnerable, authentic women that you know that you can share safely and that they have your back and they're not going to throw you underneath the bus. That's how those tides rise. That's how they rise. I'm going to be borrowing those words from you, Annette. That's how those (laughs) tides rise. Well, you're welcome to use that for sure. Yes. And Kim, I have loved your perspective, especially knowing that you spent all those years in corporate and as a business owner. It's a unique combination that you can share with our listeners the the challenges of both. And there is crossover in both for sure. But just thank you for taking time today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. You're an amazing host. (laughs) Well, thank you, my dear. And, And Kim is another great example of how women are challenging the norm making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 